Aloha, brothers and sisters, friends and family. Thank you again for joining us a week after Easter. And uh, so grateful that we could even sing these songs together and to connect. And uh, church has not been canceled. God is still uh, real. And uh, we can continue uh, to connect with one another. But I'm grateful. I'm grateful you've taken some time to uh, get out of bed, to get your family up, to uh, hopefully you're dressed and uh, ready to worship God, uh, to learn from his word, uh, to learn from his Bible so that we can be encouraged because we need a lot of encouragement these days. Uh, The world needs a lot of encouragement these days. You know, Easter was last week. Jesus has risen from the dead. In our time and the the time that we live, uh, it is so uncertain of what is going to happen Uh, for our lives, but for so many in the world. And that's why we're going to journey on a series of lessons to really talk about the themes that we need to meet our needs. And our series of lessons is simply called Uncertain, because we live in uncertain times and people are looking for answers. And thankfully, we can look to God for our answers in our life. I mean, we are living in very uncertain times, uh, unprecedented, as we are trying very hard collectively as a, a, global, a global human race to respond to COVID-19 and to deal with its pandemic spread all over the world. And certainly in our lifetime, we've never seen a viral pandemic quite like this. That, is, that has gripped so many of us in so many communities and homes and households uh, that has uh, really threatened the entire world. And I, personally, I'm trying to understand uh, all that's happening and all the changing news that's happening in our world today. And honestly, uh, you may be doing that the same, uh, but it's overwhelming. It's overwhelming just how things change quickly from day to day. Sadly, Many people have been infected by this virus. Uh, Over 2 million people so far around the world have been infected. Uh, Tens of thousands of people have died because of this virus. Thankfully, over 600,000 people have recovered from COVID-19. And I'm grateful that there's light at the end of this tunnel. And yet, the whole world has been impacted by this pandemic. Many have lost their jobs and are worried and are anxious about what's going to happen next. Can't pay the bills, and we're wondering how and where and when are we going to find relief. Weddings have been altered as people had planned to have spring weddings this year, and yet changes had to be made. High school and college seniors are not going to be able to participate in the traditional graduations that they so looked forward to. Plans have had to change. And there's real grief, there's real loss that's happening in our world today. And perhaps you're experiencing that even yourself. And it's important and it's necessary for you and for me, for all of us, to be able to be real about the emotions that we're going through. Some of you are anxious, you're worried, you're concerned, you're frustrated, you're cautious, you're bored, perhaps. 
being locked down at home. But at the same time, all of us need to remember where we can get our hope from. And that's the light that God brings to all of us, is that we have hope. We have hope in Him. And thinking about some of the different truths that have just helped me to understand what's happening and for me to find confidence of what's happening in our world today, I want to I want to encourage you with some thoughts here about what God reminds us of. And I want to remind you of some spiritual truths that are certain, not uncertain, but certain in our day and age. I think one thing that's encouraged me that I believe we all need to remember is God is with us. Psalm 23, verse 4 says, Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. This encourages me, and it should encourage you, that there is God behind us. Behind everything that's going on, we have to have a sense of security, that God is with us. Whether we acknowledge him or not, he is in control. There's another spiritual truth that I believe will encourage us. God has a plan for you and me. There's a story in the book of Genesis, in Genesis chapter 50. Joseph was given up by his brothers and stepbrothers. And decades had passed, and he went through challenge. He went through prison. He went through hardship. He felt falsely accused. And yet at the end of those decades, when his brothers came back to be with him in Egypt, Joseph reiterated the fact that what they did to him was intended to harm him. But the scriptures say God intended all that happened in his life for good. And not to harm him, but to accomplish what is being done now. It's the saving of many lives. There's an element that even though we may not understand what's completely going on in our world right now, we've got to be able to trust that behind the scenes, God is doing something to save more lives. He is doing that, even though there's challenge and struggle and hardship. It's a spiritual truth that is certain. Another passage that's encouraged me in Matthew 19, verse 26, with God, nothing is impossible. God is capable of doing anything, anywhere, at any time. And that should give us a security that God has the ability and he's in control of what's going on. Lastly, another passage that should encourage us of what's certain is in Romans 8, verse 28. No matter what you and I are going through, God promises to work all things for the good of those who love him. That's a promise from God. Even the bad things and the tragic things and the things that are very hard, we've got to be able to hang on to that promise that somehow God is going to turn this into good. You've got to see that silver lining when things are challenging and when things are tough. These are certain things that if we ground ourselves on these promises, this will help us to get through uncertain times. And it's all because of God. I mean, did you know that one of the most frequent commands and teachings 
in the Bible along with Jesus Christ is, uh, is not so much to be holy or to love one another. I mean, one of the most common teachings we see in the Bible is to not worry. It's to not be afraid. It's to not be anxious. And why does God do this for us? I believe because God understands we worry. We're humans. And at different times in our life, we get anxious, especially when times are uncertain. We don't know what's going to happen, and we get afraid. And there's a reason why there's so many instances in the Bible where God is encouraging his people to not be afraid. And that's something that you and I have to take to heart. The great Moses had died, and his successor Joshua was just about ready to go into the promised land. And Joshua needed affirmation. He needed a lot of encouragement. And so in Joshua chapter 1, verse 9, God reiterates what he said to Moses, and he says to Joshua, have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged, for the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. God is trying to to strengthen Joshua in this incredible task that he's got ahead of him. And God reassures him, Joshua, I'm going to be with you. Do not be afraid. Is that something that you need today? Where you can be strengthened and encouraged by God in your anxiety, in your worry, in your concerns? God is giving and he's speaking to us today individually and his families. Do not be afraid. Jesus prepared his disciples before his death They needed lots of encouragement, affirmation, and security because Jesus knew that after he died, it was going to bring challenge and trouble into the disciples' life. And look what he says in John chapter 14, verse 27. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I don't give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. Jesus says it again to his disciples, guys, don't be afraid. I'm going to give you a peace that is not of this world. The peace that I'm going to give you doesn't mean there's not going to be any hardship or opposition or trouble or challenge. No, the peace that I give you is not of this world. The peace that I want to give you is a peace that trends all understanding, that passes all understanding. And the disciples needed that because there were going to be trials ahead of them. Where did Jesus get his peace? Because if we can figure that out and latch on to that, then that's going to give us peace too. Jesus got his peace from his relationship with his Father. That's where he got his security from. He walked with his Father. And even though above the surface of the water, Things were crazy, things were challenging, things were out of control in the world's eyes. Jesus continued to be anchored in his relationship with God. And that's the kind of peace that Jesus wants to give you and me. He wants us to be anchored on God 
so that we will have the security and peace in this crazy world that we're living in. And I really believe one thing that's being tested for you and for me at this time is our closeness and our intimacy and our walk with God. I believe that that's what's happening in our world today because all of us are being affected. We're starting to prioritize what's important and what's not. We're we're beginning to see, wow, I really don't need this. I really don't need this to be happy or content or fulfilled. And God is helping to prune us. He's helping to whittle down the basic core of what's important. And we realize that Church has never been about a building. We've talked about that the last few weeks. It's never about where we meet or what we own or, or what location we're at. I want to say something, too, about this. Live stream. Is, is, church is not about live stream either. Even though we can connect this way, church is about God. Church is about us walking with God. Church is about loving him, obeying him, giving all our very lives to him. That's what church is about. Whatever method or mode or or forum that we're connecting. Jesus wants to give us that peace. And it's the peace of our relationship with God. Another passage here, Jesus prepares his disciples for opposition. You know, if you're going to follow Jesus Christ, there's going to be resistance in your life. You're not gonna be some cheerleader or some yell leader with pom-poms that everyone is gonna accept. You may have friends or coworkers or family members who may not agree with what you do. But that's something that's an honor, it's a privilege to be able to live for God and make that choice. We have to be grown men and women who make mature choices of who we're gonna live for and what we're gonna live for and not be overly concerned about what other people may think because when we're judged on that day, no one is there, no one's gonna be there to defend any of our lives. We're gonna be have to, to go before God and if we're in Jesus Christ, then Jesus will represent us. And that's the greatest security that we can ever have. But Jesus was trying to reassure his disciples once again in Matthew 10, verse 28 through 31. Look what he says. He says to his guys, do not be afraid. Don't be afraid of those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul. Rather, be afraid of the one who can destroy both soul and body in hell. You know, in this world, there is killing. There is death. There are people dying. And people may be able to kill our bodies but they're not gonna be able to touch our souls. The one who is worthy of our fear and our awe the most is God, and not anyone else. And in many ways, you know, COVID-19, it may kill our body, but it won't kill our soul, because God has that. And if you've given your life to the Lord, then you have that much more security in your life. The worst that people can do or the worst that can happen in our lives is to pass and to die. But that pales in comparison of what God could do to anyone who is not with him.
that pales into comparison. And we should not be afraid of a virus. We should not be afraid of any calamities that may happen in this world. The Bible is full of warnings that these things are gonna happen and are bound to happen. And time and time again, God tells his people, his people of faith, do not be afraid. But we are to be afraid and we are to be in awe of the one who is worthy of our respect and that's God Almighty. Jesus continues, are not two sparrows sold for a penny? You're not one of them will fall to the ground apart from the will of your father. These birds, these sparrows were some of the cheapest food in the market during their day. Even a penny could buy two of these sparrows. But Jesus says to a detail that sparrows can't even fall to the ground without God's consent. He is so aware of every minor detail that's happening in this world today that not even two least of the food sparrows will fall to the ground without God's permission. He has life in his hands. And then the Bible says, and even the very hairs of your head are all numbered. So don't be afraid. You're worth more than many sparrows. So guys, even, even the hair on my head, on your head, and I'm sure it's growing a lot longer during this season. I'm having to restyle my hair in different ways. And you are too. But even the very hairs on our head are numbered. That's how, that's how concerned God is with our lives. To the littlest of details, he's got our back. We can be secure in him. Therefore, we do not need to be afraid. We need to bathe in the security and comfort and strength of God. That's what we need to be able to do. And why? And we are so much more valuable than sparrows. How do we know that? We know it from last week, Easter, Jesus rising from the dead, Jesus dying on the cross for our lives, spilling his blood so that our sins could be forgiven. That's how valuable we are to God. So if God is willing to do that for us, find more encouragement in the fact that even during a pandemic, God has our back. He has our back. Are you getting the impression that God does not want us to be afraid during these uncertain times? Are you getting more confidence? And are you being encouraged by the voice of God through Scripture that he doesn't want us to be afraid? He doesn't want us to worry. He's got our back. He's gonna take care of us. We are going to be okay. Now, the Bible says in 1 Peter 5, 7, for us to cast all our anxiety upon him because he cares for us. That means God is inviting you and me to just throw everything to him, cast it all on him, cast all our anxiety, cast every worry, every concern, every issue, every challenge, every hardship. God is willing to take that on and he can take it on for you and for me. And he's challenging us to just cast it all to him let that burden rest on him because he cares for each one of us. And he'll replace 
that anxiety and that worry with comfort, with strength, with encouragement. I remember a long time ago, our youngest son, Chris, you know, when he was a baby, he was a really light sleeper. And I remember I'd tiptoe into our room as quiet as I could. And by the, the, the most simple ninja movement I would make, he would still wake up in his crib. And uh, Chris, I love you, but you kept us up uh, uh, many nights. But I remember peeking over to the crib and Chris would be crying there as a baby and he's crying and, and I'm looking at him as a dad looking into his crib and I'm thinking to myself, Chris, you have no earthly reason to be crying right now. You're well fed. You've got a clean diaper and you've got a great crib. And I'm, I'm here with you and I've got your back. I'm not going to let anything harm you. And I think sometimes I can act like this towards God. Maybe you could act like this towards God. There might be some crazy things going on. There may be worry. There may be concern. And, and we're like, we're crying in our crib because we're just unsure. And God may just be peeking over our crib and looking at us and saying, you have no earthly reason to be panicking right now. You're fed. You got clean underwear on. And you got people around you that are taking care of you. I've got your back. I'm with you. I've died for you. And if I've died for you, I'm willing to go to the ends of the earth to make sure you're taken care of. That's just who God is. And I pray that we find comfort and strength in God's promises in these uncertain times. We need to be able to hang on to God and who he is because that is gonna help us to get through victoriously. I wanna end here in our time and I wanna give us some practicals, but I want us to talk about some certain things that we can do under our control in uncertain times. There are a lot of things that we don't control today, but there are things that you and I do control that we can be certain about and practice as people of faith. So here we go. Number one, let's just be practical people. Romans 13, verse 1, everyone must submit himself to the governing authorities for there is no authority except that which God had established. The authorities that exist have been established by God. I want to encourage us to be, continue to be good law-abiding citizens and follow the direction of our, our government officials. Uh, God has set up government for a reason, to direct. Staying at home is a good thing brothers and sisters, stay at home, especially if you're not feeling well, stay at home, okay? Hygiene is, is a good thing. Uh, social distancing, uh, we need to keep honoring that and help flattening the curve, and let's make sure we wash our hands consistently and we just practice good hygiene. I saw a church moniker uh, the other day. It said, love like Jesus, wash your hands like Pontius Pilate. I love that. That's like, someone should make a shirt. 
But love like Jesus, wash your hands like Pontius Pilate. Now, don't end up like Pontius Pilate, just the hands. But be practical. Secondly, be prayerful. 1 Thessalonians 5.17 says, pray continually. Another translation says, pray unceasingly. If there's a holy habit that you and I can actually practice more these days, it's prayer. It's prayer. Our secret weapon as people of faith is God. And God wants us to stay connected to him and to pray that he moves in a great way. We need to keep praying for the essential workforce that's running and helping our lives to find some quote-unquote normalcy, particularly the medical professionals who are there on the front line. And if any of you are watching who are in the, the health field and you're out there in the front line, thank you very much. Uh, thank you for protecting us. You are the heroes of our day and age. When crisis hits, you're heroes. Uh, the grocery store teams are heroes. Uh, the mail carriers, you guys are heroes. The school teachers that are uh, fast learning how to do it online, you guys are heroes. But we can be prayerful during this time and we need to pray for God to spare more people and spare more lives and that more people don't have to die for this to end. We need to pray for these essential workforce individuals. You know, something that we've done in the church this last week, and I'm so very encouraged by the church's response, is that we've had a prayer chain, a 24-hour prayer chain for five days last week. And I hope you're able to see just the, uh, the document there with all the names. It's so encouraging to have in, in the names, but also knowing that every hour, 24-7 for those five days last week, there was someone praying and lifting their requests up to God. And I thank the, the Windward brothers and sisters even suggesting and starting this prayer chain. We've got another opportunity, brothers and sisters, to keep praying to God. And so I want to encourage as many of us to be able to sign up in that prayer chain. I mean, how cool is this to be able to know that Requests are being lifted up to God. What would God do with hundreds and hundreds of prayer requests coming every single day to him? Do you think he's going to move? Do you think he's going to act? Absolutely. He's going to respond to his children's plea. And so let's, let's not just fill up those time slots. Let's fill up the airwaves with prayer requests to God this coming week. Let's take initiation, and it's been so encouraging. Couples, families. I know for me, I just gotta get out of the house, quite honestly, and I go on prayer walks. That's what helps me to lift up my prayers to the Lord. But that's something that's certain, and that's something we can do to make a difference. Number three, be proclaiming. Psalm 150, verse six. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord, praise the Lord. Okay, if you're breathing today, you're meant to praise the Lord and give him the honor and give him the respect. As disciples of Christ, we still have a job to do. There are a lot of people who are scared in this world today 
And the job that God has for you and for me is to be able to communicate and share the message that brings hope to a hopeless world. That's the job that you and I have. And it's incredible to what God is doing around the world today. As we've seen, God has taken us out of buildings and God is just now entering the homes. He's bypassing government restrictions. He's passing school regulations and he's now allowing himself just to be right in the home. And there may be families that are watching together for the first time in a long time that you've done this together, worshiping God, fellowshipping, being together. And you know what? That's a picture of what God has always intended families to do, to put him first, to put Jesus as Lord and Savior, and to worship together. Imagine if the whole world were doing this, what kind of world would we have? Even if there weren't a pandemic, we'd have a radically different world. Church starts in the home. But we've got a job to do. You know what I see happening, brothers and sisters, is that God is giving us more ability to be able to spread the message and to be able to connect family and friends more than ever before. If they're not willing to come to a physical location, then maybe they'd be willing just to open up their phone or their laptop and click the live stream button and connect and get some feeding spiritually. Do you see what God is doing? God is helping us to become digital missionaries. It's a new, it, they're new rules now. And I want you to be able to imagine the impact that your life could make by being a digital missionary to be able to spread the gospel in different ways you may not have thought of before. Through your social media channels, through email, through text, Maybe, just maybe, people who are in need of hope and are desperate for him will click. I mean, honestly, there's, in a way, I, I feel like I'm more busy in a different way than I have before because through our online presence, but also connecting through Zoom, I mean, I don't know, I feel like I'm a Zoombie now. It's, it's you know, I just got to get away from the screen for a little bit, go outside uh, breathe some air. It's, it's ironic how many of the parents before had wanted kids to get off their computers. Now we're wanting the kids to actually get on the computer so they can connect. But I'm encouraging how families and friends, not just here in Hawaii, but all over the world and are, are connecting, even from the mainland. And we're grateful that we can bond hearts together and share some of God's word today. Be proclaiming. Number four, be perceptive. Be perceptive. Colossians 3, verse 1 and 2 says, Since then you've been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. Do you see what Jesus is saying through the Apostle Paul here? Is that we've got to set our hearts and our minds on things above. God expects us to look at things and view things differently than what most of the people in the world are doing. Where most of the people may turn to panic and worry and anxiety and depression, God expects us to live as if we're already in heaven. To see the life that we live here on earth from a vantage point 
and a filter of heaven itself. But to put our hearts and our minds on things above and not on earthly things, we've got to remember that God is still in control. This virus is not in control. God is so much bigger than any virus or challenge or bug or pandemic. And the world, we're going through a storm right now, but we've got to be confident that God is going to get us through this. I don't know when it's going to end, but he will get us through this. We keep hanging on to him. And it's amazing what I'm seeing in our church and our sister churches around the world. More people are coming into church right now than ever before. Why? Because we live in uncertain times. And I believe that God is, is, is using the COVID-19 virus. One way it's being used is to wake us up. It's to wake us up. It's to get us, it's to, get us to value what's really important in our lives. Because the most important thing in our life is to one day die and then go to heaven and be with God. But here's, here's my concern after this ban is lifted, after perhaps the church reopens per se to be able to fellowship and congregate. Here's my concern for all of us, including myself, is that we don't allow the lessons that we're learning now to stay permanent, but we snap back into our distracted, busy lives again. I'd hate to see like families not worshiping together again because this ban gets lifted. I'd hate to see where we just forget about God. We forget about what's important. We forget about priorities. We even forget about reading the Bible, praying, and even connecting as a church family. God is trying to save both Christians and people who are not Christians. He's trying to save all of us. We need to have perception and that's certain of something we can do. Lastly, be prepared. Benjamin Franklin said, by failing to prepare, you are preparing to fail. I love Jesus. Jesus said it another way in Mark chapter 13, verse 22. He says, no one knows about that day or hour, not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son, but only the Father. Be on guard, be alert. You do not know when that time will come. Jesus is warning that generation and our generation today, we don't know when he's gonna come back another time. And some people think that these are the last days, and certainly they are, but some people are thinking, wow, I think God might be coming back. Well, we don't know. We don't know the day or the hour. We don't know if this planet is gonna be around tonight, next week, or next year. We don't know. What Jesus is communicating to us, he's giving us a head start. He's giving us a warning. He's preparing us, and he's saying, be prepared. Be prepared for what? Be prepared to meet God. That's what he's calling us to be prepared for. He's calling you and for me to be prepared. To be ready. Because something is going to come first in our lives. Either we die first or Jesus comes back. It's either of those two things. Either way, we still have to be prepared. 
We've got to be prepared to meet God. What should concern us the most as a human race is not just COVID-19 and stopping this. What should concern us the most as a human race is whether we die in our sins or not. Whether we die in our sins or not. You can read in John chapter 8, verse 23 through 24. If people don't believe that Jesus really is who he says he is, then they will die in their sins. Part of being prepared is that we have to be convinced that Jesus really is the Messiah and he's the savior of our lives. But it's more than just intellectually acknowledging that he did that for us and that's who he is. Faith in the Bible shows an active response to the message of Jesus Christ. God wants a response from us if we really do believe that he is the Messiah, the son of God. How do we get prepared? How do we get our sins answered for? How does this happen? It first starts by all of us being able to understand the good news. That's the good news. That's the gospel. What is the good news? The good news is that Jesus died for our sins. He sacrificed his life so that our sins could be accounted for. And because of his death, we no longer have to die that way. And no longer do we have to die where we don't have any hope. Jesus has now opened the door for you and me to have access to God directly through him. But it takes response. And when we understand the good news of Jesus Christ and what he's done for our lives, then we should have a response in our lives. As I said, COVID-19 is not the greatest thing that we should be concerned about. Sin is the greatest disease because all of us are infected with it. Not one of us escapes that. But a lot of people don't realize that there is a cure. There is a super vaccine. There is an antidote available for us now. We don't have to wait a year from now. The cure is Jesus Christ He is the answer for you and for me. He has cleared the way. But it came with a price. Jesus died for our sins. He was buried and he was resurrected from the grave. And we talked about this last week. Jesus is not in the grave. The tomb is still empty. The tomb is still empty today. It's not as if Jesus leaves the tomb, goes back in the tomb, and then every Easter he comes out of the tomb again. No, he's he's out He's out permanently. And we now have access because of what Jesus has done. He's broken the barriers of death for us so that as we ride on his coattails, we too can escape the death that most people are headed for. But we can find God because the tomb is still empty. I love what Nick said last week. Jesus left the tomb so that we don't have to stay in our tomb. And we don't, but we've got to be prepared. What does God ask for you and me? He asks reciprocation. He asks for commitment. He asks for loyalty. He asks that you intentionally start living for him. Would you, would you want to be in a marriage where it's half-hearted? Would you want to be in a relationship where you're at the altar and the minister asks the, your, your future wife, You know, hey, do you take this man to be your lawful wedded husband? 
that to you part. And, and she, she pauses and she questions it and says, let me think about this for a moment. That's not the kind of marriage you want to be in. But guess what? God doesn't want that kind of marriage for you and for me to be in that with him. If we're pausing for apprehension, apprehensive, then, then that's something that you have to figure out and get help to be able to be committed to God. What must a person do to be saved? The Bible is very, very clear. Many of you know this. Some of you, you may be learning it for the first time. But you got to hear the message. You got to hear it. It's impossible to know the good news if you don't hear the good news. You've got to hear it. You've also got to believe. And it's more than just some intellectual acknowledgement. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. But biblical faith means obedience plus action. You're acting upon that faith. You've got to repent. There's got to be a change of heart, a change in mind. And there's got to be a love for righteousness rather than sin. And if you're a Christian and you're deliberately living in sin time and time again, then you're not prepared. You've got to repent. You've got to confess Jesus is Lord. You've got to be able to accept the fact that He's Lord, you're not. He rightfully owns that position. And that means we submit and follow his direction. You gotta be baptized for the forgiveness of your sin in water and you'll receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And sadly today, many denominational groups have watered this down, no pun intended, but they've watered this down, this command by God and that baptism has simply just become some some outward sign of an inward grace, of just some acknowledgement. And it's not connected to whether a person gets saved or not. You know, that's where you've got to study the scriptures because we're going to be judged by God's word. These are commands that the Bible gives us in responding to the gospel of Jesus Christ. And if you don't know these things yet, then I encourage you to reach out and to act on them. Reach out with your friend and and help them help you. Look to the scriptures for the answers in your life. Even though they're not meeting together physically, there are many in our fellowship who would love to study the Bible. Love to study the Bible with you online, on the phone, through Zoom, whatever it takes to be able to guide you through the scriptures so that you know what the biblical response is to the good news of Jesus Christ. We live in uncertain times, brothers and sisters. We live in uncertain times, yet we know where to find the certainty, and it's in God. I pray that the passages that we've looked at through God's word today have strengthened you, have energized you, have given you more confidence, comfort, and strength. Because in an uncertain world, we can be certain that God has our back, that God has our best interest, And he tells us time and time again, do not be afraid. Thank you for joining us wherever you are today in our worship together. I'm grateful that we can stay connected to one another, but most importantly, we can stay connected to God. God bless and thank you.